Today's episode of Market Talk is brought to you by Growmark FS. Keeping up with the latest in ag is a challenge, to say the least, but there are experts nearby ready to help. You'll find them at your local FS. You can trust them to bring you customized agronomic grain and energy solutions bored of the latest thinking. That's because FS specialists receive continuous training that keeps them current on the latest trends, practices, and technologies. So you'll get local expertise that's both exceptional and up-to-date. Visit FSSystem.com to learn how FS is bringing you what's next. Bringing you the ag information you need, this is Market Talk, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Jesse Allen. The soy complex saw good strength on the day Monday with more concerns about weather in South America. Welcome into Market Talk. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Great to have you here once again. We have a busy show lined up for you. We're going to talk weather coming up here in a second with Eric Snodgrass of Nutrien. We're also going to talk about the markets. John Heinberg, Total Farm Marketing, will join us coming up here in segment two and three to discuss. And coming up at the end of the show, we're going to talk to Reed Abbott with AgroLiquid about their first annual Crop Nutrition Week coming up here next week. So a lot of stuff on the way here on today's show. And joining us now as we talk about a relatively cold weather forecast here for the week ahead across the U.S., some ice thrown in there as well in some parts of the country, we welcome in our good friend Eric Snodgrass with Nutrient. And Eric, good to have you on the show again this week, sir. And as I mentioned, a lot of folks really bundling up to start the week off across much of the country, windshield warnings, advisories out. Plus, then you throw in an ice storm across parts of the Southern Plains. So very active start to the week uh, when it comes to the weather in the U.S. here, Eric. Yeah, you know, the same shallow Arctic air mass that's dropped those temperatures throughout parts of the plains down to like to the minus 20s today is actually undercutting some really warm moist air that's from the Gulf, right? So you get this sandwiched effect where you've got the shallow Arctic air here, but then there's above freezing air above it. So the precip falls through that warm layer and it's all liquid. And then the moment it gets in the last, I don't know, thousand feet as it falls toward their surface, the temperatures there are sub-freezing. And as a result, you end up getting some of your liquid super cooling. It doesn't turn back into ice, it super cools. And then the moment it touches something that's frozen, that has a temperature below freezing, it just it turns into glaze on top of it. And that's gonna stretch from uh, Texas and the parts of Southern Oklahoma. Arkansas has got a nice storm warning out today. And this actually moves into where you're from, right over there in parts of Western Tennessee, that whole area. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be the lookout for some ice accumulation as well. So nasty setup here, but to be honest, that's where all the action is going to be for the next probably 10 days. Much of the upper Midwest, the Northern Plains, much of the Midwest, we've got a drier outlook for most of the next 10 days. Doesn't mean there won't be anything coming through, but a drier outlook, not a whole lot of snow expected at this point, for at least for the next seven plus days for those areas. And again, it comes back to something I've been worried about. I put this in a report last week. The soil moisture down about 40 inches throughout most of the Corn Belt still shows last fall's drought which means we're gonna have to wait on spring to really undo what last fall did to us. I wanna say that that kind of went, I don't know, I'd say by me a little bit. I thought that things were returning and we're getting better moisture, but that deep profile moisture issue is something I think a lot of folks are gonna have to think about because the South's gonna be soaked, but the Northern part of the, you know, well, the midsection to the Northern part of the country, not so much. 
Well, you mentioned that, and we are getting ready to turn the calendar to February. I know we have Groundhog Day coming up as well. That's always a fun weather outlook day. Uh, but thinking about that drought picture, Eric, looking into February, you mentioned you know might take spring to get us some moisture. What's that February outlook? What's that shaping up and looking like here as you as you look at things right now? Yeah, well, Groundhog's a great holiday, right? I, I use it as an excuse <laughs> to watch uh, the Bill Murray movie, Groundhog Day. Just this fun movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just a quick reminder, the Groundhog's uh, statistical performance is below 38% historically. Uh, so we, we just need to take it as a holiday. I have people, believe it or not, that email me and call me and want to compare forecasts from like Noah or from the <laughs> European even my forecast, but they'll say, but the groundhog said, I'm like, you understand that that's a gimmick, right? But anyway, uh, <laughs> but, but you know, this idea about February, this one's going to be interesting. If you had asked me two, three weeks ago, I would have said, I think February's got better chances of seeing more of what we just saw this week, setting up shots at colder air than otherwise. But I, things have changed for me. And the reason they've changed is that even though La Nina is fading, it's fading quickly. I mean, it is fading. We're getting this pattern setting up such that we just keep reinforcing what we call the Southeast Ridge. That's a big area of high pressure that sits over like Cuba to, to Florida. I mean, it's like, we should call it like the Bermuda Triangle Ridge. I don't know. But it's sitting there and it's going to keep much of the eastern half of the country with better chances of more mild air through February. So I wonder if the groundhog is going to pick up on this or get a little hint from the CPC or from my forecast that says, hey, man, it looks like maybe some folks are going to feel a little bit of an early spring because of, of this setup. Overall, though, thinking about spring, like February and beyond, that could set up a very active Ohio River Valley from your backyard to my backyard here. You're in you know parts of the Mid-South. I'm up in the middle of Corn Belt to the east of us. The Ohio River Valley could be very, very wet. But you asked about drought. I don't like how this pattern sets up for the plains even though the plains have had better moisture as of late there's a lot more that's needed to correct the long-standing issues there and it's just the wrong setup which means we may be waiting until the end of february into march or april to see some relief for the plains but again that's so far out we can't say anything with confidence about whether or not that drought will get broken in that area well eric i know as well market moving uh weather is south america right now to start off the week i know we had some rains over the weekend maybe not as uh what was forecasted drought concerns and that longer range forecast it sounds like again for argentina and we do have harvest delays in brazil as well so uh, catch us up on the latest what are you seeing with south america right now yeah you know i was talking to a couple of my good friends last week about that one arlen suderman the guy also a guy named Darren Fry. We were just discussing why the harvest progress wasn't what I expected in Mato Grosso. And he said, the crop's just green. Problem is you get all that rain, even though you planted it early, it just stays green. It didn't have a chance to dry down. So that's what some of the delays are, at least based on our assumptions. So that's in Mato Grosso. Big rains in central Brazil the next uh, seven to 10 days. That's going to push that crop even bigger. But as you said, the market movement here was that last week, when all those two-week preset maps come out, they included in it the rain from this past weekend for Argentina. That's all gone now. And now the revelation that the next couple of weeks can be very dry and also hot, maybe five to 10 degrees Celsius above normal in midsummer means that Argentina is going to quickly run out of the rain that it just had come through with high evaporation rates. So now we're talking again about Argentinian drought, even though from about what, Jan 16 through about the 28th, 29th, there was plenty of rainfall across Argentina's main growing years. And by the way, some big hail. Saw some videos this week of some of the storms throwing out some large hail into Argentina. But the new story is going to be that the resurgence of drought there. 
Well, thinking as well, before we wrap up, Eric, uh, any other thoughts uh, weather-wise you want to share with us, anything you're watching in South America, U.S., or around the globe? Well, I'll take you around the globe real fast, and I want to take you all the way around it over to Australia and New Zealand. I'm not sure if you heard in the news, but massive flooding in Auckland uh, over the last uh, several days here. Some places picking up like more than a half a year's worth of rainfall in a couple of days. Tons of flooding video out for that particular thing, but that hit one of the major metro areas in New Zealand. But uh, much of, uh, of, of this summer for Australia has been cold in a lot of places at times and very wet as well. That will all change. That will all change as this El Nino builds its way in in the next six to nine months. And the Australians are probably the first and, and, and they're paying the most attention to it more than any other place on the face of the earth. So over there, that side of the equator and on, on the southern hemisphere, I think that's where a lot of the action has been. Well, you could sign up for Eric's daily weather newsletter on our website, markettalkag.com. And we appreciate the time as always with that Eric Snodgrass of Nutrien. Thanks so much, sir. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next yeah. week. You bet. We'll talk then. All right. Up next, John Heinberg with Total Farm Marketing. Back with more Market Talk right after this. The market news and analysis you need here on Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And joining us now as we take a look at the market trade action that we saw on Monday, the Soy Complex was the star of the show with mixed activity across quarter wheat and livestock trade. Cattle had a good day as well. Here to join us and talk to us about it, John Heinberg, Total Farm Marketing is with us. John, good to have you on the show, sir. And uh, again, you know, fairly mixed day with some bright spots, including that soy complex on Monday. Yeah, very much so. That soy complex coming off the week, basically shooting out of the gate here last night and being led by that soybean meal market. New contract highs in that front end of that market. Again, that's probably tied to the Argentina situation. Maybe not so much the forecast, but just... The battle for beans going on right now, even though because of the way things are working down there, you got Brazilian harvest running a little behind schedule. You know, saw numbers from four to six percent complete. Typically, they're 10, 11, 12 percent in this window, but that's making things tighter to the ports. You got the crushers looking for beans. That's raising some premiums. You know, I heard today or saw today through one analyst's comments that the backup now is 22 days of wait time to get beans out of Brazil. And that's shuffling some business back our way, or at least the market's anticipating that. We've seen these sales pick up here in January in a window where we're typically seeing things start to fade. So a good strong day in those bean meal markets, good strong day in oil came through and helped out that bean market. Now we'll see where we can go. Key resistance over top here. If we can get through that, that opens the door. If we don't and say we fail to put in a higher high, that could be a bit of a toppy signal. So the next couple of days could be kind of key here and what these beans might put forward. Well, and to your point, South American weather, you know, I know that looking at that new two week model run, more dryness, more heat coming in. Um, and plus, two, it doesn't feel like it's quite a story yet. But the delay with the Brazilian harvest of soybeans kind of keeping our soybean export window open here in the U.S. But if that you know delay in Brazil continues, John, say another two weeks, you know, what's that going to do to our market here? I think that is going to be a very it could be maybe even a powder, a powder keg to our market, potentially, depending on what happens if we have any more delays in Brazil. 
Very possibly. Again, you know, we're still sitting on an extremely tight supply picture. And obviously the USDA made a negative adjustment on demand on the last report with the intentions that, you know, maybe they see the exports slow down here, but they have it. So do we get those bushels back is the question I'm thinking in my mind and bring that carry out back down again. You know, we're, you know, at 200 million bushels, there's not a lot of wiggle room there. So the market's trying to get some rationing done in that regard. Plus, again, you know, here in the United States, crush margins are still very, very strong. There's still demand with this new crush industry that continues to grow and is talked about heavily. And that's just going to keep some support in this cash market. And that can do the heavy lifting in the soybean market overall. So the next few weeks will be very interesting to see if we get those South American supplies moving the way they want them to. Then maybe some of these late sales turn into cancellations or they'll, they'll you know, re, re, reset the origin point you know, from Brazil to Brazil from the United States. So we'll have to watch those things going forward. Uh, but at least right now, the market's got some optimism that that tight bean supply is going to carry at least until into the summer months. In this corn market, John, it, corn lost the overnight momentum and then just chopped right around unchanged. It feels like in the March contract, especially this overhead resistance around 690, going to be a tough spot for us to maybe break through here unless we have a story to help us get through it. That just feels like the very top end of resistance here and really just something to keep an eye on, I think, at least this week, John. I would agree. You know, again, we need some demand news. we got export inspections today. They weren't the best compared to last week. You know, again, we need to see these bushels that we didn't even get sold move, and we haven't saw that. Some of it might be the fact that we still got good, strong bean numbers, and that took away some port space from the corn going out at this time frame. But, you know, again, we need some news. We're kind of in a market right now. It's like, well, we can't rally it too much because that'll kill the demand, and we can't go too much lower. The cash market kicks back in. Henceforth, we go nowhere. And uh, it kind of feels that way right now. You know, basically draw a line right through at 675 on March. We've been both sides of that for quite a while here. Same thing in the May contract. The only thing I'm kind of watching today that was a little concerning was some of the negative action in the spreads. You know, March lost to May, lost to December today. July contract lost to December. Maybe we're getting to that point. We're getting a little more comfortable up front. And we're going to start taking some of that, you know, put some carry back into the market here a little bit. So we'll have to watch that because if the spreads start turning a little bit more bearish, that could just keep some pressure on the front end of the corn market. How about in wheat? I know the sub-zero temperature is getting down to parts of Kansas, the ice throughout Texas, Oklahoma, and up through Arkansas. I know that's having some concern in this wheat market. We still, though, we came off the overnight highs, only rallied a little bit. There was some weakness in spring wheat as well on Monday. So what's your assessment of this corn market here, as we, or excuse me, of this wheat market as we start off the week? You know, again, same thing like corn. We need to see some demand move in. Now, the funds are sitting on one of their largest long positions since basically May of 2019, I believe it was. You know, so do they start covering here? I think they covered a little bit the second half of last week. Did fail at a pretty key point of resistance today, 50-day moving average over top that March and that May contract. And then we kind of finished middle of the range on the day, but higher. So we'll have to see how that plays out. If we can find a way to get up through that area, then we can see some more short covering, see some money move back into that wheat market. You know, that doesn't put us out of the question that maybe Chicago March contract gets back up into the eight handle. That's where trend line is, kind of working through the lows and the highs going back into July and August. You know, so, but, you know, that may be just more of a money play than anything in this window. So we'll have to kind of watch that. It'd be nice to just see some good demand news. 
you know, we talked about the weather forecast and that kind of brought that premium in last week. Today just kind of felt like a wait and see day. And we'll see what the, you know how things shake out as the week goes on. Well, and I know, too, throughout these entire grain markets, we're going to be watching Wall Street this week and watching the Federal Reserve. They're meeting this week. What do they do with interest rates? I know the dollar uh, back higher last I looked, uh, back above 102. Uh, your thoughts, how much, if we see a quarter percent rate hike or whatever the case may be, how much of that's going to spill over into our uh, into our grain trade, do you think, here this week, John? You know, the U.S. dollar index has been progressively working lower, kind of finding a bottoming point here. So we'll have to watch what the Fed decision is this week. You know, it's just a lot of mixed signals right now regarding the market. Do they slow it down? Do they keep the foot on the gas? You know, some people are thinking for a Fed pivot. You know, right now the stock market's kind of priced in some fluffiness, some you know fluff here a little bit. So I'm a little concerned about that equity market, that it's got some potential to make a pretty good break lower again. Uh, especially if they don't get what they want to hear. Okay, I think again the the market's covered the quarter point. It's going to be what the rhetoric is, what comes out of the the, the question and answer session or their Fed statement. That's going to be what's really going to move the markets here. Again, I'm still cautious, but today looked like a good day for the commodity space. We saw money flowing in for the most part in the ag commodities. So again, it might be just one of those things that maybe they look a little undervalued and the money wanted to step in the day, whether it was in the grains or in the livestock sector. I think another thing to keep in mind as well, um, Tuesday, end of the month of January. So how much will the end of the month play into markets and maybe give us some some of that money flow in or out that we typically see when we wrap up a month, John? That's always a part of it at this, this time window. Typically, we see worse movements at the quarter point, you know, you know, March and June and then September. You know, but again, that's just kind of, but again, it's still one of those things. They want to square up the balance sheets a little bit. Maybe they redistribute some funds to balance out their portfolios. Those always seem to come into play here, especially when we get to that end of month window. And I'm not sure how much of a factor is this month, but it's been a fairly decent month on the grain side. And that might give us some weakness maybe even tomorrow. And again, we're having a conversation with John Heinberg of Total Farm Marketing. He is our guest analyst here on the show today, and we're going to continue our conversation coming up here after the break with John. We're going to talk about that livestock market as well, this cattle trade, mostly higher on the day Monday, hogs a little all over the place. Plenty to look at, though, and discuss when it comes to the protein sector here, especially coming up on Tuesday. Got that cattle inventory report. I want to get John's thoughts on that as well. Let's take a look at some of the closes, though, from Monday's action. First, uh, starting in the grain trade, March quarter up three quarters, 683 and three quarters. May quarter up one and a quarter, 680, one and a quarter. July cord was up one and three quarters, 667 and a half. And also looking over at new crop. December corn that finished the day up two and a half, five eighty nine at three quarters. March beans up twenty five at three quarters, fifteen thirty five and a quarter. May up twenty five, fifteen twenty nine and a half. July beans up twenty three and a half, fifteen nineteen and a half. New crop November beans finished up sixteen and a quarter, thirteen sixty seven and a half. March bean meal at fifteen twenty a ton, four eighty eight seventy. March bean oil up seventy points, sixty one thirty seven. Also, May bean meal up twelve fifty a ton, four seventy one ninety, and May bean oil up seventy three points at sixty one fifty five. In the wheat markets, March Chicago wheat up two and a half, seven fifty two and a half. May Chicago wheat up three and a quarter, seven sixty two. July up three and a half, seven sixty three and a half. December Chicago wheat up three and a half, seven eighty two and three quarters. We'll take a look at KC wheat, spring wheat, as well as the livestock trade, and continue with John Heinberg after the break. Back with more market talk right after this. 
Why are more people heating their homes with FS Propane? Because it's better to work with a company that lives and works in the same community that you do. When it comes to the comfort of your family, trust FS. We have highly trained service professionals who monitor your system for proper operation, safety, and maximum efficiency. So you can be sure that FS Propane will leave your family with a good, warm feeling all season long. Contact your local FS Propane specialist today. FS Propane feels like home. Visit fspropane.com for more information. Keeping you informed with the latest market information for your operation. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And welcome back to Market Talk. Thanks so much for joining us here today. John Heinberg with Total Farm Marketing. He is our guest analyst, and we are going to continue the convo with him in a minute. I want to pick up where I left off with the closing markets from Monday, though. Kansas City wheat March up four and a half, eight seventy three and three quarters. May up four and three quarters, eight sixty seven and a quarter. July KC wheat up five and a quarter, eight fifty eight and a half. December KC wheat up five and a half at eight fifty nine and three quarters. Spring wheat March unchanged, nine twenty one and a half. May up three quarters, nine fifteen. July spring wheat up two and a half, nine oh eight and a half. December spring wheat was up five and a quarter at eight ninety one. Looking over at oats for March up three and a quarter, three ninety one and a half. May oats up five and three quarters, three eighty seven and a quarter. July up six and a half at three eighty eight. Also looking over at canola, that finished up twenty twenty at eight twenty seven ninety. A big up day in canola on the day on Monday. Now over in the livestock trade, live cattle it was a strong day there. February live cattle up 202, 158.75. April lives up 252, 163.35. June live cattle up 170, 159.47. August live cattle up 102, 158.77. October live cattle up 85, 163. Feeder cattle for March up 45, 183.92. April up 72, 188.27. May feeders up 87, 192.72. August feeder cattle up 90 at 206. Lean hogs, February down 72, 75.15. April up 7, 86.52. May hogs up 10, 95.02. June hogs down 25, 103.15. July hogs down 42, 104.45. And August hogs down 40 at 104.17. Feeder cattle index at last check on Monday was up 31, 179.88 with the lean hog index up 12 at 72.64 on the day on Monday. So again, for the most part, mostly higher across the trade, mainly higher in soybeans, the soy complex, and then in cattle with corn and wheat mixed to higher and hogs mixed as well on the day on Monday. John Heinberg with Total Farm Marketing is our guest analyst here today. John, let's move over to the uh, livestock trade here a little bit. Cattle, a really strong day on Monday. I know a cattle inventory report out Tuesday. I think that's what a lot of traders are keeping their eyes on. There's talk that this beef cow herd could be record small, potentially, uh, if the numbers come to fruition. So what are your thoughts with the um, the momentum we saw in cattle on Monday? Was that maybe baking in uh, ahead of the report, possibly some of those numbers. What do you think? I think that was a very big part of this today was the fact that the cattle industry, the cattle markets are looking at those numbers tomorrow. And you talked about beef cow inventory, and that's going to be something I'm, we're going to all be watching very, very closely. Expectations are down 4.2% from last year, and that'll put us our lowest beef cow herd since 2014. 
um, you know, pretty much matching that area within a percentage point of that. But that puts us down almost 9% basically in the last handful of years since we peaked this out in 2019. So there's a lot of cows moving to the sidelines here. That's going to reflect a calf crop that's also going to be down at those 2014 levels, if not lower. That's just going to keep those that pressure in the market to the upside, you know, in the longer term. And you're seeing the value out there, $200 plus feeders for the fall. April cattle today for 2024 across the 170 barrier. You know, so for a cattle producer, we're pumping some money into this market with an anticipation of tight supplies, targeting some of those all-time highs on some of these contracts. So definitely something to start thinking about if you're going to have cattle in those windows to make sure you've got some defense underneath you. But again, I think we're going to get some confirmation tomorrow. I think the market's anticipating that. And that's why we saw the strong money flow today as some of the shorts are moving to the sidelines, you know, breaking April cattle out to new contract high today. Now, I wonder, too, with this cattle trade, if that those numbers come in even more bullish than we expect, which obviously I feel like the potential's out there, just given the, the talk around feedlot country, you know, how much higher could we, could that be the move? Could that be the number that finally gives us this, big bullish move in cattle i wonder if producers should maybe be prepared for that maybe be on the defensive if we get a a bearish number what what's your thoughts heading into a big report like we will see on tuesday you know again typically cattle on feeds pretty well anticipated in terms of what we're going to get so you know but again great value out there i know i had that conversation with producers today get the safety valve put bought you know, protect the level that's in front of you. It doesn't cost much to put a 160 put underneath the April contract right now. If you want the cattle to be long, there's your long side. But at least, you know, if we get a, a haywire number or something goes off the rails between now and April, you got something in there. Uh, again, we're very, very elevated in terms of historical price values. The money's moved into the cattle market fairly strongly. Not sure how much more they want to push this thing higher in this window, so we'll have to see. But again, we're getting back up to those historical highs, and that's definitely a spot you want to make sure you got something underneath here just to keep that price flexibility in front of you to the upside. John, over in the hog market, hog market was a little bit all over the place, settling up rather firm on the day Monday, that front month February uh, staying pretty close in line with the cash index, but this hog market's just been so volatile. Uh, I struggle some days to uh, come up with something to talk about with this hog market, with just how crazy it has been the last couple of weeks, John. Yeah, new break to lows on that Feb contract. Again, just lacking the strength of the cash market. You still got a $3 premium of the futures over the index, and even greater than that, according to the direct cash trade. So we still need that cash market to stabilize. But April at least feels like it's put a bit of a bottom in with that big reversal on Thursday. Got solid follow through. Tried to blow it through the bottom side a little bit this morning and saw the buyers step right back in again and lift it back above, you know, holding that 86 handle. Now, I don't think we got a ton of room here in the short term unless we see some of the fundamentals change. But it kind of feels like this market at least maybe wants to get sideways here with the potential to go a little higher, especially if those hog numbers stay tight. You know, that's something we still got to keep an eye on going forward. Right now, we're hearing the chatter, and it's one thing the beef guys need to be aware of, too, is beef prices got expensive. Now are we going to start seeing the consumers shift to pork, shift to poultry a little bit more, bringing taking away some of that beef demand, increasing that pork demand, which at these price levels, you know, looks pretty friendly in that regard that there's some good value there. I couldn't agree more. I think that's the big thing we're, uh, we're going to have to watch here this next week or, well, not this next week, this next couple of months is retail demand, retail values. And I, I think about it too, John, I go to the grocery store 
you know, yeah, I mean, I, I want a steak and I think people who are going to eat steak are going to eat steak, but I'm also thinking, well, you know, maybe I'll get some pork chops instead of, you know, a big bundle of steaks just because, hey, I'm saving a few dollars here or quite a few dollars in some cases. I think that's a very important component here to this protein sector as a whole, John. I would agree. You know, and right now we are watching beef retail values come down. That's some of the reason we've seen the cash market flatten out here a little bit. You know, again, so a big move here going into that report would make me want to be a little defensive, especially we don't see those other factors come along that the money's buying into the report before the numbers come out, which could be setting this market up for a susceptible topping action here in this window, which we kind of put a typical January type high in, calm down again until we see the spring and the grilling demand kick in. So, so again, like, you know, getting back to the other point about taking care of value here, I think it's a great idea to look at some of those early front end put protection in here underneath that cattle market because again, retail value is coming down, cash market quiet last week, trading slightly lower. You know, maybe the shift now seeing some more movement into the pork side because those values are cheap. Just kind of maybe makes the cattle market look a little shaky here. Not that I think we're going to wash out, but maybe we flatten out a little bit. John, before we let you go, any thoughts on the dairy market here as we uh, take a look at Monday's action? You know, again, the milk market just looks scary. Big drop in block cheese. We've got a high amount of barrel supplies out there and and we got a big spread starting to build, almost 30 cents between the two again. So that gets a little nerve-wracking to the milk market. Which way does it go? Does cheese prices come from come down from the blocks to meat barrels or barrels to meat blocks? Again, the barrel inventory is fairly heavy now. This is a window we should see some decent cheese demand as we're getting into Super Bowl and pizza season and things of that nature here. Uh, but again, the milk market for a few weeks now looks like it's been on a slippery slope. And again, breaking to new lows today on that February contract just makes me you know, feel like we got some more room for this thing to go here if we can't find some footing. John, if producers want to reach out to you and the folks there at Total Farm Marketing, get some market advice, what's the best way to reach you? Sure, love chatting with them anytime. Give me a call, 800-334-9779. Shoot me an email at johnh at totalfarmmarketing.com. Again, don't forget about our website, totalfarmmarketing.com. A lot of great information for producers out there. Take advantage of it. Love to have the conversation. Feel free to pick up the phone and give me a call. Again, totalfarmmarketing.com. With that, John Heimberg, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us, sir. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Have a great week. And again, great stuff there. John Heimberg with Total Farm Marketing, our guest analyst here on the show today. Always appreciate him making the time to join us here on the program. And uh, we always look forward to our conversations. Again, final numbers on the day on Monday. March court up three quarters, 683 and three quarters. July court was up one at three quarters, 667 and a half. Soybeans for March up 25 at three quarters, 1535 and a quarter. July beans up 23 and a half at 1519 and a half. Half. Bean meal March up 1520. It's on 488.70. March bean oil up 70 points, 61.32. Chicago wheat March up two and a half, 752 and a half. July up three and a half, 763 and a half. March Kansas City wheat up four and a half, 873 and three quarters. May up four and three quarters, 867 and a quarter. And over in spring wheat on the day on Monday. Spring wheat was a bit quieter than KC and Chicago wheat. We saw spring wheat for March. That finished unchanged at 921 and a half. May spring wheat up three quarters, 915. July up two and a half, 908 and a half. In the livestock trade, live cattle February up 202. Monday, 158.75. April up 252, 163.35. June up 170, 159.47. 
Feeder cattle for March up 45, 183.92. April up 72, 188.27. And in hogs, February down 72, 75.15. April hogs up 7, 86.52. And May hogs up 10, 95.02. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Reed Abbott with Agro Liquid. They have a crop nutrition week coming up next week online. We're going to learn more about that on the way next as we continue with more market talk on the way right after the break. Bringing you the ag information you need. This is Market Talk. Now, back to Jesse Allen. And joining us now here on the program, Reed Abbott, regional agronomist with AgroLiquid is with us. Reed, good to catch up with you. Hope you're doing well. Thanks for joining us. Yes, sir, Jesse. I appreciate the opportunity. Come on. Well, we appreciate you taking the time, and uh, we're going to talk about Crop Nutrition Week with AgroLiquid coming up here the first part of February. But before we do that, Reed, just give us a refresher for folks who may not be familiar with AgroLiquid. Can you tell us a little bit about the company first off? You bet. We're uh, we're actually celebrating our 40th year in business. We uh, incorporated in 1983, and uh, we're a Michigan-based company, but since 1983, been working our way to build distribution across the country. And so we're a total liquid uh, fertilizer company. Um, We've got every uh, nutrient from nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium all the way through your secondary and micronutrients. Uh, Almost all of our products are blendable, uh, blendable with most of your crop uh, protection products. Uh, And a lot of that is due to the fact that we use a proprietary technology called our flavanol polymer technology that uh, not only helps to protect that nutrition and uh, and keep it from tying up or, or being lost in the soil, but it also helps deliver that nutrition to the plant in a more efficient way than a lot of your conventional fertility products out there on the market. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, I know coming up here February 6th through the 10th, Crop Nutrition Week being hosted by AgroLiquid. And this is, you know, the during the winter months, it's that time, a lot of education, a lot of meetings happen. You guys are doing this week, though, virtually online and, and trying to provide uh, growers with uh, different uh, education when it comes to fertilizers, et cetera, and, and just a lot of uh, connection with agronomists. So talk a little bit about the idea behind Crop Nutrition Week and some of the things we can look forward to, Reed. Well, uh, I mean, as as everybody knows, farming is a 365 uh, a day, uh, you know, type of type type of business, and there's a lot of different inputs, a lot of different things that a farmer has to manage, and so fertility sometimes is just one of those things, and guys are experts at it for the two or three days a year that they're booking their fertility program, but past that, they've got to move on to other decisions like seed or buying equipment or you know what what their their next year's crop plan is going to be so um we we wanted to set aside a week uh for guys to really focus on nutrition we understand that they themselves maybe don't have all the answers but we wanted to be that resource resource for them uh so they could reach out you know talk a little bit about their individual situation and, and get some education on on you know what they might be having to deal with on their farm Well, and I know as well, thinking about that education seems like it's so important, especially this year when we think about the cost of inputs and all these different factors that we can't necessarily control on our farm, knowing the right things to use, how much to use, et cetera, really important when you're looking at that ROI on your operation, isn't it, Reed? For sure. Uh, You know, guys that have been farming for 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years have seen uh, a lot of changes, especially here in the last five to 10, I would say, uh, you know, 
historically speaking, fertilizer has been kind of a cheap input or, or I mean, obviously there's uh, that changes year to year. But like I said, uh, the the penalty for over application or not really being very precise on on what a guy was putting out uh, wasn't wasn't really there. But now we're starting to see those those dollars tighten a little bit. Um, fertilizer uh, costs are going up. The, the margins are a little bit thinner. And so being able to educate a guy on what he really does need, maybe what he could add to his program or take away from his program to narrow down precisely where he's going to get the, the best return on investment on a year like this year, it's, it's more important than ever. Well, I think, too, looking through some of the topics you guys have and just thinking about something as simple as a soil test. You know, how many times do you run into a grower who maybe hasn't done a soil test in three, four, five, 10, 15 years? I mean, something as simple as that could be a, a big part, is a big part of what you decide to put on your uh, on your fields, isn't it, Reed? Absolutely. And I, I mean, I, hey, I've been out there, I've, I've pulled soil tests when it's, you know, 35 degrees and blowing and it, it's a miserable experience. And then having to sit there and box that up and ship it off to the lab. I mean, it's time consuming. There's a cost there and uh, and we understand that. But the the value of the information that you get back from that soil lab uh, to really help you narrow down what you need and, and again, get that greatest return on investment uh, is is really second to none as far as is being able to know what what we need for that that guy for that next year. Well, I know folks want to get registered. Again, this is all interactive online, cropnutritionweek.com. I believe that's a, a great place to start, isn't it, Reed? Absolutely. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of resources there, a lot of things that a guy uh, can can gain ideas from and uh, hopefully hopefully push him to the next level this year. And as well, agroliquid.com. Folks want to uh, learn more about the different products you guys have, reach out to a, a local agronomist and more to uh, – figure out maybe some uh, make some decisions here. I know it's it's already started to be decision time for that spring planting season, isn't it, Reed? Absolutely. And we we have all of our research uh, data online. We actually even have compiled some win rate data so that guys can uh, see which products are, are bringing those higher return on investments and, and you know, ho hopefully help them make that decision on whether that's something that that would work on their farm. So, yeah, definitely encourage you to check out our website agroliquid.com and again cropnutritionweek.com to get signed up for crop nutrition week coming up february 6th through the 10th with agroliquid and in partnership with next level ag as well and reed real quick if i give you the the 30 60 second elevator pitch what would you tell growers to get them to uh, get signed up and attend crop nutrition week for that uh, that week coming up here in february yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, again, there's going to be a lot of good information, good resources there. Uh, you know, like I said before, uh, also take a look at getting those soil samples together. Uh, mm -hmm. make, make sure that you have the information that you're going to need to, to help you make those decisions. And, uh, you know, again, push that push that yield and, and that that profitability to the next level here in 2023. And that's what it's all about. And we appreciate the time with that. Reed Abbott, Regional Agronomist with AgroLiquid. Thanks so much for joining us here today, Reed. And we will hopefully talk to you again soon. Thank you, Jesse. Appreciate it. And again, you can learn more online, cropnutritionweek.com. That's going to do it for the show here today. Thanks so much for joining us once again. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Have a fantastic rest of your day. Why are more people heating their homes with FS Propane? Because it's better to work with a company that lives and works in the same community that you do. 
when it comes to the comfort of your family. Trust FS. We have highly trained service professionals who monitor your system for proper operation, safety, and maximum efficiency so you can be sure that FS Propane will leave your family with a good, warm feeling all season long. Contact your local FS Propane specialist today. FS Propane feels like home. Visit fspropane.com for more information. 